Hey writers and weavers, Jenny here, freelance writer, book reviewer, and emerging fantasy author. And Katrina, author of the young adult urban fantasy, The Wise One, book one of the Scottish Scrolls series. Our goal is to help you iron out your fantasy world and open up the floor to a weird and witchy conversation. Join us in our ramblings about all things fantasy, paranormal fiction, and magical realism. Whether you're an aspiring novelist or a best-selling author, this podcast is for you. Ready? Let's get started. Welcome, writers and weavers, to a very special episode of Writing the Broomstick. This month, we'll be recording Halloween-themed episodes to inspire your spooky, paranormal, fantasy, or horror novel. And we're kicking it off with the origin of Halloween. And in case you haven't noticed, listeners, Jen and I are obsessed with Halloween. I think we've mentioned it several times, so we're super excited (laughs) to dive into this scary month. Absolutely. It's honestly the best time of the year. And I know a lot of our listeners hail from outside of North America where Halloween isn't typically observed with as much gusto as it is here. So I guess Halloween is so special to us because we both had such an awesome Halloween experience growing up. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Christmas is nice. Like, (laughs) love receiving and giving gifts. But Halloween is so, so special. It's always been the best excuse to get together with friends and go absolutely nuts. (laughs) And before that, I mean, who didn't look forward to trick or treat? Exactly. We know that many of our listeners love this season too, which is why we want to talk about it today. Uh, Especially what is Halloween? Because, I mean, I feel like a lot of us take that for granted. Mm hmm. Where does it come from? And is it just invented by the candy companies, as Max says in Hocus Pocus? Or is there more to it than that? We're confident that our listeners know the Halloween basics, but just in case there are a few doubts out there, we wanted to clear the air and give you a historical perspective on this ancient holiday. So if you're writing the next best-selling historical fantasy novel, maybe you can use this episode as a helpful resource for a Halloween scene or something like that. Yes, or just sit back, listen, and enjoy the show. So for starters, maybe we should stop calling it Halloween uh, from now on, because the word is a contraction of All Hallows Evening, or All Hallows Eve, uh, which is to mean the day before All Hallows Day or All Saints Day, a Christian holiday Mm -hmm. that came centuries after the day Jen and I are both talking about. I agree. We should be calling it Samhain. The ancient, yes. <laughs> the ancient Celtic festival to commemorate the end of summer and the beginning of winter, the Celtic New Year. So not to disparage practicing Christians out there, but Samhain is but one of many examples of early Christians co-opting a pagan ritual and calling it their own. So yes, let's call it Samhain from now on. And the reason why I tripped up at first is because it's spelt S-A-M-H-A-I-N. But I'm sorry, in the background, you might hear my rabbit <laughs> drinking water, by the way. And yeah, magic. Yeah, magic. yeah, and I was just going to say, I was just going to talk about the spelling because it is such a funny thing to say, yeah. like Samhain, when it's really not spelled <laughs> that way. Samhain. Samhain. <laughs> Sound like Ted Lasso. <laughs> I just binged that before. Let's not get into TV show tangents yeah. today. So, okay, let's Every talk. time. <laughs> Every time I can. Let's talk more about the origins of the word Samhain. So uh, now you'd think that the name of such a spooky, death-obsessed festival <laughs> would mean something dark and sinister. But in reality, most etymologists agree that Samhain simply means summer's end. Hmm. By itself, the end of summer doesn't seem that frightening. But if you consider what was awaiting our Celtic ancestors on the other side of summer, you might begin to understand what was at stake here. 
Hmm. Now, there are quite a few layers to Samhain, so bear with us as we try to get through each one. Right now, let's just look at the lifestyle of ancient Celts and Britons, so people living on the the Isles. Is that, is that the right thing to say? I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> so they lived pastoral lives largely dependent on the movement of their livestock. So obviously no electricity, no heating. They've spent the last few months in relative ease. You know, they could work outside in the warmth with plenty of hours of mm-hmm. daylight. They had food readily available. They could forage. There were vegetables in their garden. Life was good at this point. Oh, it does sound really nice. But then <laughs> come the winters, right? Mm-hmm. They were super harsh. They were dark. Uh, winters were deadly. They tend to groan at the end of summer because the days are getting shorter and colder, mm-hmm. right? And we can't go to the beach anymore, you know? <laughs> Life doesn't seem so easy breezy. Um, but for the ancient people living on the island of Britain, facing winter was actually a matter of life and death. Uh, so not everyone made it through. There was this real fear of not only the cold, but also of running out of food. Mm. And of course, let's take a moment to talk about darkness. Before the light bulb, the autumn and winter months were dark, and I mean really, really mm. dark. Imagine what life must have been like for our ancestors throughout those fall and winter months, trapped inside a gloomy hut with probably only the hearth and a few tallow candles to light their their way but yeah unless you were highborn you couldn't afford you probably couldn't afford beeswax candles all the Mm -hmm. time so you'd have to use stinky animal fat tallow candles that emitted very low quality light so not only that but darkness symbolically and practically is dangerous uh yeah but yeah i think i digress (laughs) no it's actually really interesting that you say that because it's hard to imagine time before the light bulb like we don't yeah think of that at all and we'll never know the real reason Samhain started, I think, because these festivals had been around long before we started writing about them. So we can definitely get a have an educated guess. But um, anyway, if you want to look at the Samhain festival in its basic form, many of our ancestors practiced this festival as a way of keeping our spirits up. We knew that we were about to endure some pretty depressing months. So merrymaking, laughter, games, and drinking were all a way to lessen the sting of what was to come. Makes sense. But so we know on a basic level why we celebrate the end of summer this way. But why does Samhain have such a spooky edge to it? Mm. Like, why is there a focus on ghosts and evil spirits and just like generally creepy things? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about the more pagan aspect of this ritual. (laughs) (laughs) So Samhain falls about halfway between the autumnal equinox and the winter solstice. So by now, daylight hour is waning and darkness is starting to take over. But we've still not completely entered the cold, um, hard depths of winter just yet. So Samhain is considered a um, liminal festival, which is a mm-hmm. recognition of spiritual threshold. Oh, I love this. So people believe that this movement from summer to winter meant that, uh, and excuse the cliche, the veil between the living and the dead was at its thinnest. I'm sure you've all heard that so many times. And in this case, Samhain commemorates that period when we're stepping away from summer and into fall. Mm-hmm. This transition from light to darkness, from one reality to the next, paved the way for some serious spiritual hijinks. In other words, because we were entering a threshold moment in the year, the boundaries that separated realms were no longer steadfast. The spiritual gray area meant that we were bound to mingle with ghosts and spirits and even beings from other realms. Ugh. And of course, <laughs> since we're talking about the Celts, it was also believed that Samhain was a time of year where the fairy mounds or portals to the other world were wide open. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cha 
channeling some more Ted Lasso, but I'm very sorry about my terrible Southern accent. She's obsessed. So now that we have a good idea of the holiday's origin, we're going to dive into the traditions around this holiday. But before we do that, we want to take a sec to talk about Katrina's book, The Wise One. (laughs) Well, thanks for the plug, Jen. (laughs) So not only is this my very favorite month because of Samhain and all the cozy things that come with fall, which you all love too, but it's also when I launched The Wise One, um, which takes place around this time of year. So I'm going to close this by reading this blurb by a book reviewer, L.P. Savage, because it totally captures the season's vibes. Um, she says, with mystical folklore, witchy magic, and a ticking time clock set for Halloween, this is a perfect book for anyone who wants a YA with some spooky vibes. From the intensity of a witch burning right out the gate to a surprise twist at the end, there is plenty of action packed into McKenna's adventure. Oh, wow. That's good. <laughs> it was so beautifully said. I'm like, well, there's no point in me trying to sell my book when this girl just did it all like so well. <laughs> yeah, well done. What is her name or his name? LP, LP Savage. Savage. She's a writer herself. She's coming out with a couple of books and oh. she's awesome. Okay, well, there you go. And also happy anniversary, the wise one. Oh, I thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so you heard it, children. If you're looking for a cozy read to get lost in with some fall Halloween vibes, order The Wise One by Katie Englehart, available on Amazon, Book Depository, Indigo, and Barnes & Noble. Now, let's have a look at how some of these Halloween traditions began. Yes, and we can't get into this without first talking about Ireland, <laughs> where it all started. Um In ancient times, communities would gather together and light huge bonfires to ward off evil spirits. And the following day, people would spread the ashes across the farm fields to ward off bad luck for farmers in the coming year. I know. Isn't that lovely? (laughs) Now, Samhain was, as you can imagine, a very good time for divination work since the veil was so thin, right? Yeah. So it was believed that these bonfires would encourage dreams, too. So Mm. um, especially, especially of your future partner. Of course. <laughs> of course. So romantic. Nothing like a love love spell or, yeah. you know. Uh, so supposedly if you throw a lock of your hair in the fire, the identity of your true love would be revealed. <laughs> okay, so this is how I'm going to get it. Wait, Start gathering make some wood. <laughs> My next love will be revealed to me in the fire. <laughs> okay, so let's dig into where the whole jack-o'-lantern thing came from. It's actually not as modern of a concept as people think. So jack-o'-lanterns date back to the 18th century and were named after an Irish blacksmith, Stingy Jack. Legend has it that Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink. So (laughs) he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use for payment. The devil did, but Jack (laughs) decided to slip the coin into his pocket instead, next to a silver cross which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Oh, how douche. Yeah. (laughs) Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year. And after that, should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. Smart, smart, smart. Yeah. (laughs) So when Jack eventually died, God wouldn't allow such a trickster into heaven. And of course, the devil, still pissed off about Jack's trick, wouldn't allow his soul into hell either. So he sent him back... (laughs) Into the dark night, with just a burning coal to light his way, Jack put the coal into a carved-out turnip and has been roaming the earth ever since. That's where the turnip comes from. The Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack-o'-the-lantern and then simply Jack-o'-lantern. 
I'm really enjoying your accents in this episode. And, and this is so eerie. I love it. I had Me heard too. about the, the turnip thing. Andy actually really wanted to carve turnips this year. Are you going to do it? <laughs> I think we are. He was really adamant. I kept like, whenever we go grocery shopping, I see these lovely pumpkins and he's like, no, we are doing turnips this year. I feel, a, I have a feeling that turnip heads are creepier than pumpkin heads. That's but... exactly what he says and why he wants it. Oh, okay. Well, we fair are, enough. We'll let, let you know. Post some pictures if I do it. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there you that, go. that was great. So yeah, we established where where the hell Jackaland <laughs> came from. I'm not sure I knew that. Um, what about costumes? Oh, this one's an obvious one, though. Can you guess? I'm guessing to scare the shit out of the spirits. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so people would dress up in elaborate animal skins and heads, Ugh. hoping it would ward the spirits off. Or, get this, trick them into thinking they were spirits themselves. Hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder how that went down. Like, so, you good? <laughs> just going to keep roaming around. <laughs> See you on the other side. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sure that's exactly how it went down. Um, okay, so we have the costumes. Now, what yeah. about the whole trick-or-treating thing? Okay, this one has a little bit more layers to it. So okay. it's cool. In Ireland, Britain, and Scotland, it was called, oh, how do you pronounce this word? Guising. Geising or guising? Guising, like guising. a guy, disguise. Oh, disguise. Guising. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> so it was called guising. Kids would go from house to house and put on uh, a mini performance for a small reward, usually some sort of food or treat. And that actually dates back um, to around the 16th century. Some sources say that it wasn't just children, but sometimes uh, impoverished adults oh. that would dress up and go door to door begging for food. That's or, dark. Yeah, food or money. Yeah, in exchange for singing songs and prayers, uh, which they'd say were like were on behalf of the dead. Hmm. So this was called souling, um, which made the children solers. Oh, wow. like solers. S O U L E R S. Okay. And this mm. tradition only came around to North America around the 20s. Um, but what, what's weird is I actually, I, I saw a source where um, they say, like, the tradition, the, there are records of trick-or-treaters in 1911 in Ontario. Okay. And I think that's so interesting. I, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, if that has anything to do with maybe the Irish, Scottish, or British immigrants that came over. Yeah, probably. Possibly. Yeah. Anyway, today, so trick-or-treating is widespread in the U.S., as you guys know, Canada, the United Kingdom, the Republic of Ireland, Australia, Puerto Rico, and Mexico, where it's actually called Calaverita, Ooh. the origins of which is a skull in English. And okay. instead of trick-or-treat, kids would say, uh, me da mi calaverita, can you give me a, my little skull? <laughs> where, I know, it's so cute, where a where a calaverita is a small skull made of sugar or chocolate, which is super cool. Oh, wow. That is so festive. Mm, I know. Did you used to go trick-or-treating? Hell yeah. I loved it. Mm. <laughs> the last time I went trick-or-treating, I was probably 17 years old and no one wanted <laughs> oh to give God. us candy. So I think oh, that was fair. probably fair in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> you? I thought I was old. I mean, I was I was 15. So here I go. I'm like, oh, Peter Pan syndrome. Like, I'll be trick-or-treating forever. Not growing up. But what I, I mean, I don't, I didn't care. Like, it was so cool. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, I always loved spending Halloween out. And after that, it was all about parties, I guess, right? Yeah. What's yeah. the coolest Halloween or Salmon you've ever spent? Um, I mean, as a kid, every year, every Halloween is awesome. Um, mm. But as an adult, I think 
it's a bit tough because when you're grown up, you just sort of expect there to be like a party where you just dress up and drink. But <laughs> ex and I were super into Halloween together. So we always made sure to do something special. And once we went to see a, a limited screening of The Exorcist at the TIFF movie theater. Oh, so oh that's that was, cool. Yeah. But I think probably the best Halloween in recent memory was going to Canada's Wonderland. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. They turned the whole theme park into this like spooky haunted compound and there's no one in line for the ride. So you're just moving from ride to ride all okay. night. And then there are all these employees dressed in costumes that do not break character when they try no. and freak you out. It's It's like... It's so creepy. But anyway, good times. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could handle that. I'm thinking like that sounds amazing and I would want to go like right now, but I don't they know. They don't touch you though. Like they're not allowed to touch yeah, you. They just go still. up in your face. <laughs> it's so fun. Honestly, it's like oh, if you like Halloween, I, it's like such good fun. Uh, oh my God, I want to do it. Do it. Yeah, you can still go. You guys, it's like uh Yeah, minutes. It's, it's really close. We actually passed by it yesterday. Uh, we were going to a restaurant pretty far away and we're like, what the hell? Isn't that Canada's Wonderland? So, yeah, it's not far at all. Yeah, I think it's in Vaughn or something. Anyway, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what was your, what's your, like, favorite Halloween memory? Mm, well, oh, my God. It's hard to isolate because, like, I really did have fun as a kid every year. <laughs> we used to go to uh, my, like, my family friends, like, a best yeah. friends of my parents, like, and their kids. Like, we used to trick-or-treat with them. Uh, and then, like, college was so much fun, like, just trying to mm-hmm. find the best clubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's always kind of a shit show, actually. But, I mean, never <laughs> a dull moment. I think one time, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I, I literally got sick all the way home. Like, there were no more cabs because it was insane in Montreal. Yeah. Like, on Halloween, it's, like, so hard to find a cab. And we took, like, four buses. And I was just, my friends were just, I have no memory of this. But my friends were just taking care of me all the way home and they never let me forget it. Wow. Oh, but you know what? Oh my God. How could I not? Okay. I actually spent October 31st in Ireland. Uh, I, 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 I like totally forgot. In 2017. That was That's during my honeymoon. Much better. Oh. Yeah. No, that was insane and amazing. Mm. Okay. Can you tell me more about it? (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, there was this. Oh, well, first of all, so uh, at the time you were staying in Galway. Yeah. And there was this huge parade every year that starts there. We had no idea, actually. It was our bed and breakfast owner. Yeah. She was like, oh, you know, there's this lovely parade. Like, she was just, and they were so, um, they were trying to give us directions somewhere at, uh, at one point, and they were like, rushing out to make sure they made it and we had no idea what the big deal was so they're like yeah yeah meet us at this go to this street corner like that's where it'll start and we're like okay whatever you know and it was crazy there were there was just no space on the streets like people were just crowded the entire city i think was just crowded around waiting for this parade to start and it was really well worth it like the the floats and the costumes were Mm -hmm. so elaborate and it was just like um, unbelievable and it, so it starts there and i think it ends in dublin at like temple bar okay um, it's just the part just goes on i don't know it's really awesome oh and <laughs> so earlier that day oh yeah how cool is this okay, okay so this is also something i had no idea it's it's a tradition in the iran islands it's not far from galway we had actually gone to visit that day just like a tour okay. and um we found out that what they do starting in the evening is the residents wear a mask and don't speak for the whole night. Like they just like walk around without. Yeah. And, and then like no one knows who the other person is. And then 
uh, they like take off their masks for a huge reveal at a, like a party at midnight or something. I don't know. It's insane. I don't know if they still really do that, but I think I had asked our driver at the time and he was like, yeah, yeah. So people, people are still, uh, people are still doing that. Like he kind of threw it in casually and I was like, wow, that's oh. the best thing I've ever heard. Wow. Did you get to stay for that? No, we, well, that's it. We had gone back. We had to catch our ferry back to Galway and then we saw the parade. So that was actually worked out. But I okay. would so go back just to spend the evening there. We should have, should book an inn there or something overnight. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, anyway, if you really want to feel the vibes of this holiday, obviously I <laughs> highly recommend going to Ireland and no matter where you go, there's a party. Oh my God. I just remember. <laughs> sorry. This is never ending. So my friend in Ireland, I'm sorry. I'm almost done guys. Her name's Nicola. Hi Nicola. Um, she had invited us to this crazy masquerade ball in some really fancy museum in Dublin. Wow. We had a really extended Halloween. <laughs> it was like a few days before or after, I guess before. And it was so cool. Every room had like a unique vibe and, um, it was very gossip girl. Very well done. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me. Okay. Speaking of spending Halloween in Ireland, I highly recommend that anyone interested in taking Katrina up on her advice also check out the Puka Festival. Oh, yes. It's like a week-long event that takes place in various locations around Ireland. And there's like music, spooky castle tours, even family activities, light shows, and all that stuff. So I think there are still tickets available. We'll link the info in the show for you guys or in the show notes for you guys. But this is starting to sound like a plug, and I assure you the festival is <laughs> not really sponsoring does. this episode. So yeah, it just looks amazing, and I really wish I could go this year, but I can't. So mm. um, with that said, is do you have any last words about Halloween? No, I just want to get tickets now to the Puka Festival yeah. and meet you in Ireland. <laughs> um but yeah so we hope that um this has been enlightening and we hope that you we've just made you want to go to ireland really badly so Mm -hmm. there you go (laughs) um yeah so thanks for listening everyone we know this show is intended for writers so we always like our episodes to inspire our listeners imagination sometimes a little hint of magic works a lot better than just straight up writing advice so if you want to get in contact with us or find us on social media stick around for that info at the end but yeah that's all folks enjoy the spooky season and we'll be back yeah many more oh yeah so yeah, we'll be we will be seeing you next week. And what are we what are we talking about? We are talking about ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Ciao, ciao for now. Now. Ciao for now. That's it, writers, weavers, and magic seekers. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Writing the Broom for all podcast related goodies, including upcoming episodes, witchy content, and our random thoughts. Don't forget to read the show notes for episode details. Also, if you're looking for book recommendations, check out Jenny's Goodreads reviews. And if witchy books and Celtic folklore are your thing and you like free stuff, why not have a gander at the first three chapters of Katrina's urban fantasy, The Wise One? All links are in the show notes. Until next time.